But anyway, so uh, this has been kind of an interesting summer around our house. Uh, we've had a lot of big events, and my daughter graduated from college, and JD got married, and, and it's kind of made some things happen. One of those things is that we're cleaning out things uh, that we haven't seen in years, you know, one of those being JD's closet. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting a whole new wardrobe. Uh, because like uh, this shirt, I don't know when I bought this shirt. It's almost brand new, and I don't know what happened to it. It just disappeared, and lo and behold, there it was in JD's closet. <laughs> he could never wear this shirt ever. But uh, anyway, it is what it is. So I've been finding all kinds of new things. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this. This been happening with us. I want to. The topic that we're going to look at is clutter. Clutter. How many of you understand what clutter is? All right. Uh, that's what I want to look at today, about clutter, when you just get so much stuff. Now, you know, here's the problem. I've got to be careful as I'm saying this, because my wife's listening, and she's going to start making a list of my clutter. And strangely enough, I don't consider any of my stuff clutter. You understand? Uh, but, uh, you know, I do. I keep everything. I keep everything you know it's crazy how much stuff I keep and uh, so it it just starts getting in the way so I want to I want to first of all make sure that we are on the same page with our definition of clutter and then uh, see what problems it can cause and then give us the Bible answer to clutter here's the definitions I came up with for clutter clutter is something that gets in the way call that clutter yeah, just something that just gets in the way. I don't know about you. I feel like sometimes my life, just my life, is just chock full. And there's so much, uh, you know, we, we're on this fast track in America. And, you know, you get up in the morning and you take off full force and you drop into bed at, uh, you know, 12 o'clock at night just because out of sheer exhaustion. And you haven't stopped and uh, so it's just, and in the process of all that, some things just get in the way. How about this for uh, clutter? Something that has no real useful purpose. Now, there's one I have to be careful, right? Because I have this cabinet. Yeah, Dan's raising his hand. Glenda's pointing to Dan, and Dan's like, yeah, something has no real useful purpose. I'm just, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> So I've got this cabinet, and it's just chock full of stuff, and uh, there's virtually nothing in there, nothing that has any real useful purpose, other than I did notice something in there the other day, because I had forgotten that one of my, uh, one of my kids wanted to borrow uh, my passport case, and so I took my, took my passport out of my case, and I stuck it in my cabinet. Not really the smartest place to put your passport. It's not a lock cabinet. It's just a cabinet. But it's so full of clutter, nobody would ever think to look for anything in there anyway. Uh, but most everything that's in my cabinet would, would fall under the category of it has no real useful purpose. Um, there's a um, half a dollar bill that uh, one, of one of the teenagers gave me one time, and I kept it. Why? I don't know. What can you do with a half a dollar bill? Nothing. It has no real useful purpose, but I kept it because one of your kids gave it to me, and uh, they thought it'd be funny, I guess, and there it sits, enshrined in my cabinet, and uh, 
It's just clutter, you know, it, that's what it is. Or how about this? Now, this is a little harder when some of you are going to say, now, wait a minute, Pastor, now you're getting into the wrong territory. How about this? Unfinished projects. How many of you have two or three things sitting around the house still unfinished, and they've been sitting there for, we have, okay, so we were still in the old building, and a long way from getting into this new building, when the church said to us, uh, Pastor John, you can, here's some money, and you can do to the house whatever you want, and we went over there, and we tore out walls, we, we did some, some you know, investigating and found out that our roof is just a, uh, it's like a barn. And so there are no, there are no support walls. It's just big trusses. There's no, so no, none of the upstairs, is, you don't really need anything except for the outside walls. So we went in, just made an open floor concept. You know, we've got a bathroom, a bedroom, and open space upstairs. That's it. Everything else is open space. You can stand in the kitchen and talk to everybody in the place. And uh, we have seats for 19 people. I mean, it's, it's a big open space. It's really great. But there's this one board. It drives my wife absolutely nuts. There's this one board that never got put in place. And for years, I knew where that board was. I don't even know where the board is now. I'm just being honest. I, it's gotten. But there's one board missing. You walk into my house, and you'll say, oh, that's what Pastor was talking about. Because it's so hideously obvious. It's an unfinished project. And uh, before you know it, they start gathering, you know, this thing that you didn't quite get done. And that thing, you know, maybe you started a scrapbook. And so then the scrapbook became a box of pictures. And then the box of pictures became, you know, in a basket someplace. And then it got tucked into a corner. And there it sits. And now you've got all of this unfinished project stuff sitting out there. And before you, lo- before you know it, your life is just full of just clutter, you know, it's just stuff, and there it sits, and it's just getting in the way, and it's bothering you because it makes you feel guilty every time you see that stupid board, it's not there, and, you know, that kind of stuff, and there it is, it just, something that just kind of begins to clutter up. Here's the real problem with clutter. Can I say what the problems are that come with clutter? Eventually, clutter creates these kinds of problems. Bugs, mice, Mold, mildew. Eventually, you'll start losing space, you know. I mean, I don't think we have any hoarders in here. I don't know. But eventually, you know, you, you're now the clutter is actually eating up space. Now, I am bad about this, right? I, I, I like, I'm, I'm going to file this someday. And then I keep adding to my pile of going to file, going to file. And now you've got a file of pile of going to file. You know, someday, there it sits. And the rule is, of course, if you haven't seen it for a year, you know, get rid of it. And it's like, oh, I need to go through that pile before I do that. And so there it sits. And you start eating, it starts eating into your space. Well, Hebrews chapter 12 talks to us about this very subject in our spiritual walk. Hebrews chapter 12, if you're there, look there at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of 
on the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would show us this morning the clutter that we've allowed into our spiritual walk. And God, help us to be willing to lay aside those things which are getting in the way of us living the life that you've called us to live, of those things that are preoccupying our thoughts because of guilt and difficulty, of those things that are just eating up space in our lives. And help us be willing to surrender them to you today. And we thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you about five areas of spiritual clutter that I think we need to look at and deal with as Christians, as individuals. We need to really ask God. And so as we're going into this, uh, you know, I... I don't know what your closet looks like, and I don't know what your living room looks like, and quite honestly, I don't even care. But what I want us to do is to look at our spiritual walk. And let's be honest. God, if there's some areas that I need to lay aside, things that are just starting to get in the way of the way I'm supposed to live for you, show that to me today and help me to, to allow you to give me some victory over some of these things. So number one, first thing I came up with is unresolved conflict unresolved conflict I, I do counseling and it doesn't surprise anybody and uh, it's kind of strange when you start opening that door of counseling with people how much stuff that they're dealing with some of it from 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago still sitting there in their lives, never dealt with, never, never have done anything about it. It's just sitting there creating problems for them. It's this unresolved conflict in a marriage. You know, how many of those do you think you can have in a marriage before your marriage is going to start suffering? How many issues can you have sitting on the back burner just waiting for the opportunity for them to be dealt with before it's going to start impacting your marriage? How many times I I with your kids... Do you think you're going to have things that are going to keep building up, building up, building up, and it's not going to eventually impact the way your family is working together? Unresolved conflict is a dangerous situation. In fact, the Bible says things to us like this. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Stay current with the things that are happening in your life. You see, when we have conflict with, one, with somebody, there's always a response that we're supposed to make, always. And what we tend to do if we're not careful is say, oh, well, you know, this person said this, so it's up to them to come to me and apologize. They created the problem after all. After all. Well, that's not biblical, folks, it's not. The Bible says this, if you take your gift to the altar and there remember that thy brother has ought against you, Leave your gift at the altar and go talk to your brother. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 18, that if you know of a problem in your brother's life, you are supposed to go to that brother and then go back again a second time with somebody else and go back again a third time if that's what's necessary to get this conflict resolved. How can we live a life that's full of the peace that passes understanding when we're in a constant state of conflict when there's always something eating away at the joy that God has given to us and but I tell you 
if, you ever, if you've ever had the wonderful privilege of working with people, which, by the way, is everybody, right? I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to get you to get to. You can already, in your mind, think, oh, you know what, that person's obviously got some unresolved conflict. You know who they are. You may not know what the conflict is. But that person who bites your head off every time you see them, there's something there that needs to be dealt with, right? There's unresolved conflict. They're angry at their husband, and they're taking it out on you. Because there's unresolved conflict over here, and you got in the way. And how many different circumstances can you carry around in your life? Can you juggle where you've got a conflict with this person, a conflict with that person, a conflict with... How many of those can you juggle in your life before your life is cluttered with unresolved conflict? And now it's difficult for you to live the life God has called you to, that life of joy, that life of peace, that life of service, because we have all this baggage we're carrying around. So unresolved conflict is one of those, and the obvious solution, there's twofold solution, there really is. The obvious one is I've already given it to you, and that is to go and talk to that person, confront that person. It's not easy. You know, well, wow, life's not easy, and then you die. You know, it's, it's the way it, it is. So just go do it. Go talk to that person. That's what God tells you to do. But there's a second one, and this is, I think, probably the biggest problem. And that is, there's an unwillingness to forgive. Do you know why some of you don't want to talk to that person who's offended you? Because you're afraid that they'll actually get right. And you kind of like carrying around that bitterness in your heart. And it requires you to forgive them. And you don't think they deserve it. And so you're carrying this around. Two, three, four, seven people, ten people, twenty people, a whole church full of people. I don't know who it is. And this unresolved conflict has become a cluttering up of your life. Lay aside every weight in order to run the race that God has called you to run. Secondly, unconfessed sin. See, unresolved conflict means that person did something or that person had, there's a problem between you and them, and you may not have any sin in that situation. I'm aware of that. You may not. But there's also this thing of unconfessed sin. The Bible says, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, God will not what? Hear us. The Bible says, husbands, listen up. The Bible says that if you have problems and conflicts in your marriage, that your prayers will be hindered. That's what the Bible says. And so it's this unconfessed sin issue. There are things that you know you need to get right with God. You've come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You've resisted getting right now. It's beginning to impact the way your attitude is towards the church. You know, you struggle just to sit through a sermon because you're tired of carrying around the guilt. No wonder. No wonder. Unconfessed sin will do that for us. Unconfessed sin begins to get in the way. And how many of those out there, you know, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that great passage of Scripture, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? It's a great passage of Scripture. You know why it was given? Because God wants us to keep short accounts. It's an amazing thing. We do not confess our sins for salvation. Can anybody tell me why I do not have to confess my sins for salvation? 
Well, they're under the blood, that's true, but okay, but there's a more practical reason. I heard somebody say it back then. I don't know them. Do you know, do you know how many sins I've committed in my life? Do you think I could, for, for one second, remember everything that I've ever done wrong? God did not ask me to confess my sins to him to get saved. I couldn't. I'm a sinner. Lord, save me. That's all, right? I mean, I'm a sinner. That's all I need. All he needs to know. He already knows this. All I need to recognize him and ask the Lord to save me. But then as a Christian, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, you know what he wants me to do as a Christian? He wants me to keep a short account. He doesn't expect that we have, you know, 752 sins to deal with when we go back to pray the next time. He expects that when we sin, the Holy Spirit of God convicts, we get right. But what happens if we don't do it that way is that we begin to accumulate this clutter of unconfessed sin. And how to make that all right? Because you see, if I've sinned as a Christian, not only am I supposed to ask God to forgive me, but if I've sinned against you, I'm supposed to go ask you to forgive me. I'm supposed to keep short accounts. That's how I walk in the light as he is in the light, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And how I stay that way is in verse 9, confess my sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keeping a short account. So what do you do? You say, Pastor John, I, it's been so long since I've actually tried to keep that short account. And the problem is now, Pastor, I can't remember all of the sins that I've committed since the last time I asked the Lord to forgive me. Since the last time I tried to maintain a right relationship with the Lord. Well, you start that slate clean, and you start it clean today, and you do, I mean, sometimes you say, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. Right? Lord, show me where I need to get things taken care of. So there's nothing left hanging out there. And we start with that clean slate. But then the goal is to keep a short account, to keep a short record. So how do I deal with unconfessed sin? I confess it. <laughs> I confess it. The Lord's, if there's unconfessed sin in your life right now, the Lord's already brought it, to you, brought it to your mind, and I've not even spoken on it. You know, it's whatever, you, whatever the Lord's brought to your mind. You know, oh Lord, I know I need to get this right. I've been resisting. I've been stubborn. I've been, you know, rebellious in this, and I, I've not done it, and I'm ready. I'm ready. And get that sin taken care of and get the clutter cleared out so you can run the race that God has set before us. Number three, I've got to hurry. I'm going to run out of things. Un this is, by the way, I already mentioned this one, but it's true even spiritually speaking. Unfinished tasks. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you uh, put the board in place. And I'm not talking about whether or not you fix the window or the back door that your wife's got on the honeydew list. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm not. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. You know that time in which you said during revival, I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. And you did for about two and a half weeks. And then it became every other day. Then it became once a week. Then it became occasionally. And there it sits, this unfinished task. And every time pastor brings it up, there's this wave of guilt that comes over because it's an unfinished task. It's like me looking at that stupid board. And every time I see it, I know I need to get that fixed. 
quite honestly, I don't even know how to do it for sure, but I just know I need to get that fixed. And, you know, and it, there it is, and it just keeps gnawing at you. And that unfinished task, that thing that you started out to do and then quit doing. Say, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to start witnessing to my coworkers. And you, you did the first week. You went in and you, you started planting some seed. And then you've let it go. No water, no fruit. Nothing's happening. It's that unfinished task that's hanging over your head where you said, okay, Lord, I'm going to look for a way to serve you in the church. And you looked for about a month and nothing jumped out at you. And so here you are a year and a half later still sitting where you were before. And that unfinished task hangs out there. And this clutter begins to gather up in our spiritual walk. And we're wondering why it is that we're trying to run this race, but there's so much stuff getting in the way that the race becomes harder and harder and harder. And we become more and more discouraged. And we're ready to quit. Because we have all this clutter in the way. Number four. How about this one? Unaccepted challenges. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says we are to forget those things that are behind and to reach forth unto those things which are before, and we are to press toward the mark. And you have service after service, revival service after revival service, camp meeting after camp meeting. You have seen and, and, and sensed and known that the Lord was pushing you. Go that way. Take the challenge. You can teach. You can sing. You can be used of me. And there's been this pattern of resistance. This unwillingness to accept the challenge. And how do we press toward the mark when we're standing still? In 2 Timothy chapter 3 in that great passage about the scripture, all scripture given by inspiration of God is profitable, etc., etc. In the next verse, it says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So there's this impetus that God gives us to say, this is the end goal, that we're busy about the Father's work. We're doing what God wants us to do. We're allowing God to mature us and grow us up into Christ-likeness. And but we haven't bought into that. And so here we are, this, this unaccepted challenge. I know that there's supposed to be more to my Christian walk than what there is, but I've just never been willing to get off the pew and accept the challenge. And now you, you put all of this together and all of this clutter, it's just, it's so much in the way. And my heart says one thing, I want to serve God, I want to please God, but there's so much clutter now in the way that, it's difficult to get from point A to point B. It's hard to carry it all together. Lastly, unnecessary activities. Unnecessary activities. Now this one, by the way, this is 21st century Christianity. How much of our lives are eaten away by things that are just, that in the scheme of things mean so little? You know, I mean, for instance, um, here's what the Bible says. Where a man's heart is, there is what also? His treasure. So I can, I can tell you what you love, and it's very simple. You love the things you spend time with. 
where a man's heart is, that's his treasure. So how do you explain the fact that I can find, let's see, if I watch the news and I watch one uh, TV thing every night, an hour and a half every day, and then a movie on the weekend, how can I explain to God that I can find 10, 12, 14 hours a week to watch television, but I find no time to read his word or to pray? or to give for service. Our lives are cluttered with so much stuff. I mean, we have so much available to us, it's not even funny, right? I mean, there's just too many options. There really are, there's too many options for us. Don't you just long for the simple life when you got up on Saturday morning, you had two options. You could go outside, or you could watch Saturday morning cartoons. So your mom said, go outside, <laughs> right? Those were your two options. Wasn't that nice, simple life? You know, and you get outside, and it's like, okay, I've got a couple of options. I can ride my bike, or I can take, we lived with the big woods behind us, or I can take a walk in the woods and find a grapevine to swing on, something like that. That's, what we, that's, that's how I grew up. I mean, I've got to just, life was simple. Now, it's like, which of the 147 options do I want to choose this hour? Because those options change an hour from now. And do you know why it's so difficult for God's people to commit themselves to teaching a Sunday school class or working in children's church or working in the nursery? Because we have too many options. We don't want to make commitments. We want to keep our options open. What if something better comes along? What if I volunteer for vacation Bible school and then, oh, of all things, that's when somebody, you know, invites me to go to Disney World with them. We have too many options available to us. It's like we, we can't make up our mind. And so here we are, there's so much clutter. There's so much that's working on our brain and working on our heart. And God says, I want you to run this race. And I want you to run this race the right way. But in order to do that, you've got to get rid of some stuff. Your, your life just can't, you're not going to be able to drag everything with you and do this race the right way. You can't do it. You've got to be willing to put some things off so that you can run the race. 